Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. In this week's episode of The Kindness Project, we talk about books, music, and we have part one of our interview with Douglas Samuel, MBE from the Spartans FC. Welcome, my friends, to another action-packed episode of The Kindness Project. We are joined today... (laughs) But I'm in one of those moods. We are joined today by a man who means business. It's Russell Dames and a girl who is saving her best till later. It's Charlotte Dames. Who would like to go first and tell me how they are? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Business, Russ. (laughs) I'm doing well. Um, all I'm going to tell you is I'm doing well and nothing else. How are you? See that, Charlotte? It's that's good, it. I'll do the tangent part because that's kind of my whole vibe. Um, so that's how Raz does what, oh, Charlotte? Business. Business. It means um, business. You know, I, I only said that thing about saving it till we started recording because usually we have a chin wag and we get distracted and you go, right, right, hold on. Let's save it for when we're actually... You know what? We are guilty of that. We are guilty of having a preamble conversation. Yeah. Um, and then realising that actually that was really good content and we've lost it forever because we can't remember what we've said. So what bit were you saving for our... Well, you guys you guys were chatting about like books you're ordering and stuff you're really enjoying at the moment. I um I've started I say I've started, I've done it for two books, but um using the Amazon Kindle app. Right. You, you can use the app on your phone and you can order books to on your to be on your phone and you can just read them on your phone. Oh, like, what phone like, have you got? Uh, Samsung. I can't do that on the iPhone. I can't order them on the iPhone, but I can. No, you can't. That, you that, can't order them on the phone. You have to order them on the Amazon. Amazon, oh, Amazon. On Amazon, and then if it's linked to your account, you can do yeah. it through that. See, um, I, I, I've got a little Kindle, and I, I, I actually, I really enjoy my Kindle now. Um, I bought it when we went travelling last year, Charlotte, because I didn't yeah. want to lug twenty-seven books away for our trip. Um, and I need to get myself one to be honest. Um, know why you've got a Kindle, Russ? Because you mean business, <laughs> you mean business. Um, no, but I, I downloaded it because there's a book I've got to have for one of my courses, and it's like, hey, it's 50 quid if you want to have a physical copy, but if you want to have a digital copy, it's 24 pounds and you can carry it around. Talking of that, and sorry for uh. Sorry for getting down to the business so quickly. Um, I'm not like that. I really enjoy it. (laughs) I I I like to do the preamble. I don't like to mean business. I like to get down to business eventually. Um, Is um, the Kindness Project book is available on Kindle and it is cheaper than the paper copy. But I many people who have ordered the book said they uh, they were quite happy to wait and would like a paper copy and a signed copy. So yeah. um, it, I suppose it depends. But as you as you say, Charlotte, textbooks, how do you find reading textbooks on your phone? It's not a problem. Like, so, um, 
to the 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 app has like a highlight feature as well yeah. so like yeah. Yeah. Um, but also a lot of the time recently, even if I'm just reading for fun, I will take notes. Yeah. Um, mm. My attention span has good days and bad days. And on the on the like days where I'm struggling to pay attention, having the notes there to kind of be like, why why is he doing that? Oh, he's sort of like. So I've I mean I've I've got a few books on the go at the minute, but my fiction book I'm reading at the minute um, is Ian McEwan's Amsterdam. Um, which is only about 170 pages long, apparently won a book of prize. Um, but it is quite a, I mean, I'm only, I don't know, 50, 60 pages in. It's got quite a cynical worldview. And as you know, guys, I'm not a particularly cynical worldview type of guy. Now, I'm reserving my um, my own personal preference to continue to read the book. Um, but it is sort of like I'm not enjoying it as much because I can't. You know, you know, you know, you've got to at least really be rooting or owning like a relationship with one of the characters in the book, personally. And I'm struggling with that because they're all um, absolute cynics. I, I could have read, said something else there. I don't read fiction, so I wouldn't know about that. But... I read a lot of fiction. I definitely agree. Um, my current fiction read that's not for classes and stuff because I'm reading The Haunting of Hill House for a class which is really good uh, so far uh, I'm about halfway through but my current fiction read is Game of Thrones Right, again um, a book where there's a lot of cynical individuals A lot of cynical yeah. individuals um, but I think it's the second chapter um, where it sort of has a, it's a third person perspective but it sort of focuses on this one specific character, and it's Who? this. Um, God, what's his name? Um, he's like seven years old, and his older brother's his half brother, but that's his favourite brother. Oh, you're talking about um, Bran. Bran. Yeah, Bran. Um, he's from the. Uh, he's from the North, isn't he? He's yeah, the yeah. Summer King of the North. What's his yeah. name? Bran. Um, I can't remember. I, I, it's Sean Bean's son in the show, and his older brother is Jon Snow, isn't it? His older half brother is Jon Snow. I want to say Stark. Brand Stark, and his older brother is Jon Snow. Yeah, and he's got like, there's specifically a certain. Is he falling out of the window yet or not? No. Oh. He's just found. <laughs> Sorry. Spoiler alert. And literally on chapter four out uh, uh. of a. Thirty-six plus chapter book. Has Jon Snow been exiled to the north yet? I know it's coming. That's not a spoiler. Oh right, okay. Is really Tyrion... put a spoiler warning on this episode though. Is is any of the Lannisters? Spoiler alert. I mean, if you've not watched Game of Thrones, which is about ten years old now. Um, well, I uh, haven't because I wanted to read the books first, and then someone was okay, like, "The I'm, books are really long," and I was like, "I'm, I'm." I'm <laughs> I'm not going to talk about that anymore. What I'd like to talk about is the fact that Russ never reads fiction. No. You know why, Charlotte? Why? Because he wants to. Get down to business. Get down to business. And that brings me on, as we're bringing back question of the podcast, which I've just decided we're going to. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Russ was just... Sh I mean, what you can't see podcasts is Russ was just shaking his head. 
Right. Um, I'm happy to bring back question in the podcast. Oh. If we manage to get answers. Okay. Well, we can have three answers right here, can't we? We can we can talk about those answers next week. Um, the question that I want to ask is, um, if you had to pick your own boxing or wrestling walk-on music, what would it be? Oh. So you you become a wrestler, and uh, you can pick your own walk-on music. What would it be? Now, I don't want us to say what yours is going to be. This is the way we're going to do it. Charlotte's going to pick Russell's. No, I'll pick Russell's. Charlotte, you can pick mine, and Russell, you can pick Charlotte's. And then next week, we're going to do our own walk on music. So, Russ, what do you think Charlotte should be? I'm not sure. Come on, cycle back round to me. Yeah, you, you go first, Dad, because I haven't got a clue either. Well, this is what I'm nominating for Russell, and I'm uh, uh, I'm only gonna I'm only gonna play literally um, ten seconds of it just to make sure that we don't get in trouble. But this is the one that I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm picking for Russell. Are we ready? Yeah. Imagine, yep. imagine Russell at the start of a runway. Ready to run on to fight, I don't know, old Kogan or whoever's fighting at the rock. Hey, I'm, I'm trying Ready. to imagine. I'm trying to imagine this. Am I semi naked or do I have one of them like red tops on? Or <laughs> what would you like to wear? Russ? What would you like to wear? How many are in the crowd? I'd like Seventy thousand. Is like it Madison Square Garden? I'd like to wear one of them Mexican masks. Mexican masks. Are you going top, please? You can either go top, please, or no, go in a t shirt. I'm going to have them suspenders that I have. Suspenders. You know, what just, over, just over the shoulder. They'll be yellow. Yellow. Right. Okay. What's your wrestling nickname? Big Daddy. <laughs> Big Daddy. Russ. Right. Are we ready? Come into the ring to who you're fighting. I don't know who I'm fighting. All right. Come into the ring to fight. Oh, the problem is only no residents from the 80s. To fight. Oh, no, actually, I know. Uh, Ray Mysterio is Russ. Big Daddy. I'm glad you know him, because I don't. <laughs> Names. Are we ready? Yeah. We can't hear that. So you're just dancing around to nothing. You can't. <laughs> podcast listeners, you've just right, okay. Let's let's give you the big the big shout up again, right? Coming to the ring to fight Hulk Hogan this time. We all know who Hulk Hogan is. No. He's about he's about ninety now. Um is Russ Big Daddy Dames. Why? <laughs> Let's get down, let's get down to business. <laughs> you go one more is, night, one more night, Scott. What? This is entirely why you brought this back, isn't it? Just so you can make this joke. <laughs> yeah. Right, whose turn is it now? I don't know Who, who's going to go next? Mine. Who's picking mine? <laughs> I am, but, you know, I'm scrolling through your Spotify being like, what song would be called for him? And you just used it. <laughs> Wait, go back. What happened could be called for him? 
It's the Chris Stones rap done by Chris Stones. Oh, the Chris Stones rap. Have we spoken about the Chris Stones rap the in what? the podcast? Oh, that. <laughs> I never got the video of that, Russ. No, um, no, 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 don't share it, Russ. Don't share it, Russ. But the problem is I can't remember what the video is. But if you put into uh, your AI facility of your choice, um, make a rap about Chris Stones, you'll probably get the same result. So, um, so yeah, the Chris Stones rap. Um, what would uh, what would Charlotte's be, Russ? Uh, you pick Charlotte. I'll pick George. I'll pick yours. Oh, no. I'll get to pick my own. We've had into a bit of a corner now. Because <laughs> oh, I'll pick yours, you'll pick mine. No, right. I was meant to pick yours. You're, you were meant to pick Charlotte's, and Charlotte's meant to be mine. Uh, Dad, you can have what's a song that you like. Right, go and pick your own then, Charlotte. What do you want to pick? I don't know. I don't... Um, what songs am I obsessed with at the moment? Ah, let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's talk about... Let's move on from that. But question of the podcast, ladies and gents, is uh, wrestling songs. What would be your running wrestling song? Um, and who would you fight? Who would you fire? Um, let's talk about Mug of the Week. What's Mug of the Week this week? Uh, Mug of the Week this week. Uh, because time travel is weird, it will technically be next week's Mug of the Week uh, oh. for us. And um, So next week's Mug of the Week, this week's Mug of the Week, uh, it will be my Newsies mug because I am in love with it at the moment. Oh. Um, you can have a song from Newsies as your wrestling manual music, can you? There's so many good ones that would be really good. Um, if anyone doesn't know, it's a brilliant musical um, composed of a lot of like dance numbers, but other songs are just good. They're um, okay. They're okay. <gasps> the dance seems better in newsies than the songs, but they're uh, they're okay. But yeah, all good. Um, you know what? I think Charlotte, you should you should be your resident song. It's so so quiet, and then you creep up, and then suddenly it goes boom, and then you're just like, "What song is that?" That's the song by the girl that dressed up as the smart. Yeah, she didn't mind the rumble in a couple of airports. What? She she got in trouble, didn't she? A couple of times for rowing with. Rowing with journalists in airports. Yeah, she's not alone. Not a matter. Right. Okay. So that's Charlotte's mug of the week. Should we move on to the next part of the show, which is always Okay. I'll do. Um. I'll do our. For if you forgot, because we've been talking about wrestling. Um. Uh. Run up songs. We are a podcast about people doing amazing stuff in the world. But we like to have a bit of a preamble chat before every time we uh, highlight kindness. I mean, don't get me wrong, wrestling is amazing. It's just not the kind of amazing we do on here. Like, I yeah. definitely couldn't be a wrestler. I mean, it's a skill, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a, a skill. skill. It's a skill. Uh, um, but what we are 
talking about is every day amazing so um amazing stuff that people can do to make the world a better place that's what the climate project is all about um and i'm today i want to talk about um a father uh who has become a donor a welshman decided to donate his kidney to an unknown patient after his daughter received a donated one in a potentially life-saving procedure when Arthur and Jones's daughter Sarah became seriously ill and had to have both her kidneys removed, he did what any of any father would do and sign up to be a donor. However, his kidneys didn't match hers, and for months Sarah sat on a dialysis machine ten hours a night. In April of 2022, Arthur received a call that the suitable donor had been found. Without the kidney today, I wouldn't be alive, possibly, said 19-year-old Sarah. It was while someone was waiting to transplant that Arthur learned more about how to be a living organ donor and that a normal person can lead a healthy life with just one kidney. After someone got her new kidney, she was told that I could get off uh, the living donor list. And that's when I had a very strange experience, Arthur told the BBC. It was as if I heard a voice telling me there is some, someone else needs your kidney and I felt I had to stay on the list. Arthur became a kidney donor. Uh, at 70 year, years old, just before Christmas, remarking he had given someone a very nice present. He doesn't know their identity and it wasn't a friend or family member, but he knows they're doing well. Doing well. About a third of all kidney donations in the UK come from living donors. Um, uh, uh, and... Um, uh, who provided they follow basic healthy habits of eating well, exercising regularly, getting enough of sleep, can still continue to lead long and healthy lives. Right. Now, I'll tell you what's interesting for me about that article. Why wouldn't you become a donor, like a, a donor in death? You know, I... I, you know, as you both know, I think giving blood is one of the most simple acts of kindness you can make. Um... Uh, and certainly that's something that, you know, takes a tiny bit of sacrifice because you've got to go along and uh, let them take a pint um, of blood every now and again. But it's really easy to do and, you know, no detriment for you to do it at all. Um, living donor is an interesting one because I think that takes a bit more sacrifice. But being a donor in death... Um, I think is something we should all consider. What do you guys think? I think most people technically... Is there not a thing now where it's like you have to opt out to not be a donor in death? Yeah, you have to opt out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think about being a living donor? I don't think I'd be a living donor. Okay. I don't think I'd go through the trauma of a uh, operation. Sorry, I should say uh, someone I don't don't have a connection with. Yeah, no, I compl I completely get that. I completely get that. But I suppose for for the family in question, going through that experience means that they're they're in a position where they've they've received help from a living donor and they want to make sure that they effectively pass that on don't they they want to make sure that they can sort of continue to live that so i completely get why somebody would do that what do you think Charlotte? um i don't think i would 
just because I don't know. I feel like, but, yeah. Or even for somebody you're connected with. Like, for somebody, yeah. If I needed a kidney, Charlotte, would you help me out? Sure, but like, I don't know what good my kidney's going to do. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. You can have uh, it. Um, I definitely I can have it now. <laughs> yeah, sure. You I can come and take it. it. You're going to give me a random kidney. I don't need it at the minute. I might. <laughs> I definitely give it due consideration if you needed a kidney. But now you've brought back questioning the podcast without informing me first. You already are. It'll be a definite no. Um, Question of the question of the podcast, Ross. I've changed it. Can I have your kidney, please, mate? <laughs> yeah, there's no. No, I think I'd just be a bit spooked by you know. Yeah, but look, if you, but the but the reality is, Charlotte, if you've gone through, we're lucky that we've never gone through that traumatic experience yeah. of of our kid or or you or or. or anybody in our family really needing that intense care and no. not being able to live without an organ. So, so uh, I think when you've gone through that, I think that fundamentally changes your I perspective. Think, right? I think for me, that would be that emotional pull that would be the thing that tipped me over the edge. So can I have your kidney or not? I don't feel that emotional towards you, to be honest. <laughs> Russ, Russ, could I... Um... Could I have uh what's what's the thing I can ask for? Can I have a femur? <coughs> can I have a nipple, Russ? <laughs> I need I don't I know if I'm cut me leg off for you, Charlotte. <laughs> it was just a it was just an idea. So, so I can't have a kidney. That's how he feels about me, Charlotte. But for you, he will cut your his leg off. <laughs> he would be okay. sarcastic. Yeah, I no, I get anything for you, mate. I I get freaked out. At like minor stuff, uh, like needles. I don't know about surgery. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. But, but funny enough, we can all do something, can't we? We can stay opted in in terms of becoming a donor, so we can like sort of. Cause just imagine, in our deaths, we can give life just by being a donor. That I is, love the idea of that. That's an amazing feeling to think you might save somebody else. With, with your demise. Well, you know, it's one of the reasons I give blood us because, you know, um, giving blood is a way, um, the dog agrees, giving, <laughs> giving blood is a way that I can make sure that I'm contributing while I'm alive to um, help people live the live the lives they they want. Charlotte, do you want to do um, do you want to do story two while while I go and calm down the dog? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Um, tiny Alabama town shocked to learn farmer had secretly paid people's pharmacy bills for a decade. Oh, I was reading this the other day. <laughs> Upon the occasion of the funeral for one Hoddy Ch uh, Childress from Geraldine, our Alabama, it was revealed that for a decade this quiet and humble gentleman was a sort of guardian angel for the town's poor and sick. A former, a, a, a farmer and U.S. Air Force veteran, Childress began his covert 
covert charity campaign when he visited the local Geraldine drugstore and learned that all too many of the town's 900 residents couldn't afford to pay for their prescription. Life up until that point had been difficult from a health standpoint. Childress lost a son in 1973 and his first wife in 1999, whom he used to carry into the stand to the local football games due to her multiple sclerosis. Sclerosis. Upon hearing of his neighbour's inability to always afford their medical uh, medications, he handed Brooke Walker, owner of Geraldine Drugs, a $100 bill. Here, this $100 is for anyone who can't afford their prescription, Walker recalled in an interview with local news. Do not tell a soul that the money came from me. Tell them it's a blessing from God. A month later, Walker saw Childress again walking into her store to hand over another 100 bill with the exact same instructions. He would return on the first of every month for the same motivation for years until late 2020 because he wasn't able to walk due to a pulmonary disease and other health conditions. He decided he'd need to enlist some, someone for help. He entrusted the task to his daughter. At his funeral on January 5th, his daughter told the story and how it was able to cover the cost of expensive medica- medication for two residents per month. Love that. Yeah. Love that. And and you know what? You know, I think the fact that this gentleman's gone through adversity earlier in his life, but um, also re- getting to the realisation, but we we need to focus on helping others um, is um, really, really, really amazing. And on that note, I'd like to move on to the interview. And the interview is a guy uh, is a guy who I just absolutely adored having a conversation with. A guy who um, served his community uh, throughout the years, but certainly since the pandemic, um, and recently received an MBE for his work. Uh, a guy called Dougie Samuel. Not only is he as he, as he got an MBA, um, he's just an all-round legend. So let's listen to part one of the interview. Dougie, thank you so much for coming on the Kindness Project podcast. It's an absolute pleasure. And I'm, I, uh, we, as we always do on the Kindness Project, we always have a, you know, a, a chat with our guests before. And it just sort of moved into content I want to uh, cover on the podcast. So firstly, I just want to say thank you um uh for coming on and i really appreciate the time no thank you for having me it's um a real privilege and i'm, I'm flattered that you invited me on so yeah fair. i'm looking forward now, to the conversation now now we will talk about you and the work you do with spartans and the community and, and the charity but you started telling me a story about a sort of pivotal time in your life where your perspective changed can you share that with our audience yeah of course yeah i'm more than happy to um so four years ago, I had a heart attack in the middle of a spin class and um, quite literally fainted on the bike and was taken to the hospital by my wife, Elaine, and within three, four hours had been operated on and had two stents fitted. And as I was lying in the cardiac care unit looking around the room, it was pretty apparent to me that I was the youngest in the room by some distance. Right. And, and it just got me thinking, obviously, in terms like, you know, how did I get to that point where... I'd, I'd worked myself to the bone, really, and I'd maybe like lost sight of the importance of what we were talking about is me time and yeah. just finding time in my life to slow down, to to think about what I needed to think about, 
Yeah. Um, and just invest a wee bit more time in looking after my own health and my own well-being. And one of my good friends, Pete Clark, often talks about we, we can't pour from an empty cup. And it's a phrase that really resonates with me. And it's amazing it's something that I think I'm, I'm much more I'm much more aware of these days. And I do consciously try and spend a little bit more time. And typically it's first thing in the morning because that's one of the challenges for busy people is that one, you know, you want to get something done. Who do you ask? You ask a busy person. Um, but two, like busy people really make time for themselves. So when I thought about it, I thought, well, the easiest time in the day for me to make some time for me is first thing in the morning. So the start of my day completely changed where I got up a little bit earlier. I maybe try and enjoy a wee bit of reading, do a little bit of stretching, mm. a little bit of light touch exercise. And no, so my day starts with me just like filling my own well, as I say, and taking care of myself. So important. And and we, uh, you know, as I said to you in the book that, that's coming out soon, we talk about being kind to yourself and it uh, applies for that. But that phrase mm. is so pertinent. You cannot pour for an empty car. But what, are you, um, what do you read in the mornings that really sort of sets your day up? Gosh, that's a great question. So I'm a great fan of sort of like motivational quotes and snippets and so on, but I sort of got my go-to books. So things like Tuesdays with Maury, which is like my favourite yeah, book of all time. It's really good. Um, I don't know if you've read it before. It's called Tuesday with Maury, an old man, a young man, and life's greatest lessons. Generally like transformed the way I see the world. Yeah. Um, I also love a book by Eddie Jacku called The Happiest Man in the World, um, who was an Auschwitz survivor. Um, God rest his soul, he recently passed away, but he lived in London, Australia, another wonderful book. So books that are often about um, real life stories where people have overcome tragedy and trauma. And despite that, I've somehow been able to still focus on hope and still focus on being optimistic and still focus on trying to see so, good so, and good. So because um, I think that you know, we often again think about, you know, it's all the phrase, you put garbage in, you put garbage out. So... I want to start my day with like good news stories and positive stories. It doesn't mean to say I'm naive and, and, and don't accept and appreciate that life's really tough and it's tough for me as well, but I think we get to choose how we travel. Yeah, 100%. Um, uh, so I, I, I'm so glad we're having this conversation because number one, <laughs> the motivation behind the Kindness Project was an excuse to speak to people like you who, who understand that the benefits of hearing some good news is really important and, and that's what the kindness project's yeah. about um but as you say just that just that adversity uh like that hope through real massive adversity when you were talking about the books you read in the morning the one that i read and, and, and strangely and it resonates with me now is a book called man's search for meaning by a guy called by victor, victor frankel yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I read to it. choose our thoughts. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I read it um, whilst visiting Auschwitz. So I thought, yeah. like, I know I'm going. Yeah. Um, I think to give me a bit of perspective. Yeah. And I, I mean, I t yeah, certainly Auschwitz is one of the sad, saddest places yeah. I've, I've ever I've ever visited. But having mm. that perspective of yeah. whatever we go through in our lives, it's highly yeah. unlikely it's going to be that. Um, yeah. And and and. Keeping hope and optimism and the psychological yeah. framework which he built yeah. on on the back of that was just like incredibly inspiring. Really. Yeah, incredible that he was able to like see that as a learning opportunity. 
and and the nuggets that he discovered that you know, one of the things that was consistent with the people who were able to survive was that um, they focused on something to look forward to that they gave that yeah. had something to live for, um, yeah. which again just incredible if you think about that the conditions and what they were going through, but do it just you, shows um, you the power of the mind. Do you think optimism is a choice? Well, I did use the phrase earlier on that we get to choose how we travel. Um, I think that we're all a product of our environment. So how we see the world and the lens through which we see the world is heavily influenced by our childhood years and yeah, yeah. our upbringing. You know, so I think that that's a critical thing for me um, is that we all, again, I think we all stand on the shoulders of others, don't we? We do. On the yeah, shoulders right. of the greats. So a, another good friend, um, Peter Hill, introduced me to this concept maps of the world yeah, um, yeah and depending obviously where you grew up in the world and what school you went to you know that's how you're going to see and view the world so you know we go to school in the uk on our globe and our map of the world australia is in the bottom right hand corner you know if you go to school in australia i guess where australia is yeah, bang in the middle same. it's not in the bottom right hand corner yeah um, so something as simple as that and even a simple instruction that you know such something as simple as fold the socks well, you and I might fold socks completely differently. Nobody's right, nobody's wrong. And we're just a product of our environment and how mum and dad taught us how to fold socks. Yeah, and yeah, for yeah. some people listening, they're thinking, what, you fold socks? Um, they want to talk to fold socks. So I think it's just, it's so easy to be judgmental. And if we can just keep that at the forefront of our mind that we're all product of our environment, that and I it's think, just a lot easier. I think, I think the point of that is, I think, you know, the, the idea of a lot of these conversations is there's more that, we're all trying our best, aren't we? And there's more that yeah. unites us than um, than than divides us. Before we Absolutely. start the actual interview, Dougie, I want to share with you a book recommendation, and it's here somewhere. I, I can't. I, I don't know. Our podcast listeners are going, why is he showing Dougie a book when we can't see what he's doing? Uh, well, it's interesting. I'll, I'll show you. The, I'll show you the book that I've just started as well. So you get your one, and I'll get mine. Right? Okay. <laughs> I'll show you mine. <laughs> I don't know what I've done with it. Oh, yes, I, I do know where it is. So tell me about the book okay. you're reading. Okay, so this is the one that I've just started. The Promises of Giants. Is, right, okay. Yeah, by John Amici, who I had the pleasure of meeting a couple of weeks ago um, in London. We yeah. were both speaking at an event at a dinner. Yeah. And it's interesting because when I was chatting to him, one of the things that he urged me to do was, yeah. um, will you please read it slowly? Um, take your time. Um, I want the messages to land. And, and, and nobody ever said that to me before. And I thought, gosh, I don't know if you're the same as me, but when I read a book, I've got this little system. I, I love one, I love hardbacks. And two, I read a book with a pen in my hat. Um, because I like to sort of like mark it and highlight wee sort of key things or yeah, things that make me yeah, think. Yeah. So I've got this wee system of like stars and keys and light bulbs and all this stuff going on. So I'm I'm a little bit wacky, I guess, but um so, it just means I enjoy reading it more. So I I so many people recommend that I do that, and I don't at the minute because I'm quite precious about books. But the the yeah. challenge with that, as you say, is you don't yeah. you don't get yeah. over average. You've got yeah. reading time, but and and also if you think about it, like when how how do we describe how do we describe wrinkles as laughter yeah. lines? Yeah. It, it, it's an indication of a, a life fully lived, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Typically, yeah, yeah. Um, so like if no, you, you, yeah, you want to look after your book, but much better to pick up a book that looks like it's been used and it's been read and meaning. the point the point you make about slow reading is really aligned to the book that i'm reading at the minute and it's called the daily stoic ah, okay? yeah, yeah. Uh, and and 
effectively the the way that it's written is designed so, so that you only read a page a day wow so what you do is you pick it up it's all dated throughout the year um yeah. and it's just a little philosophical reminder yeah. of something I mean, really important in that particular day and the challenge is i want to read more but the discipline <laughs> Of actually only reading a page of that a page a day makes you really think about what you're reading. Really yeah. interesting in terms of a concept. So and, 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 and some you, of the, some of the reminders in it are really useful. So, and yeah. it, the way it's the way it's laid out is each month has uh, a, a different um, a different sort of teaching from uh, from stoic philosoph yeah. philosophical study, yeah. and actually the the. The one for October, I've just started November, the one for October was about um, virtue and kindness um, and how to adopt virtue. Because the Stoics were perceived as quite, when you say Stoicism, it, it feels like sometimes it's quite hard. But actually, in, in yeah. Roman and, and Greek culture, yeah. they were really big contributors to society about helping people. Sure. So, um, yeah. amazing book, one I definitely recommend. However, I've, Shall I've, we I've start with you in earnest? <laughs> yes, I've scribbled it down. And, scribbled it down. Um, and well, I'd just love to start by you telling us a little bit about you. About me? Um, I often start by saying I'm just a wee guy from the Barani Flats, um, which won't mean anything to you, but the Barani Flats are quite a famous block of council housing in Edinburgh, um, made famous by the film Train Spotting. I guess what you're interested in is obviously my, my my roles and my day job. So my day job is I'm the chief executive of the Spartans Community Football Academy, but I'm also privileged to be the head coach of the men's first team at Spartans Football Club as well. Um, and and I am interested about the background because what is it about your upbringing that makes you the man you are today? What a fantastic question. Um, my parents, first and foremost, my parents and the values that they taught me and um, values such as hard work um, to be considerate to others. One of my dad's mantras was never to look down on anyone, but don't let anybody look down on you. Yeah. yeah and I think yeah. it sort of stood me, it stood me well in life. And just through their actions, um, <clears throat> learned what was important, what mattered, you know, they adored me and my brother, you know, and still do. Um, so taught us the importance of family and love and taking care of each other, but also looking a little bit more outward and taking care of others too. My mum and dad have done roles where they've served others. Um, my mum actually only retired a few weeks ago at 75, um, having been sort of like a home help and a cleaner for most of her days. Um, but what the person got in hiring my mum has also got my dad. So they ended up getting a driver as well and somebody went and got their messages and so on and so forth. So even to like the last sort of working days, we're, we're always sort of like putting others first. So my upbringing was, um, and, and I say that what you would describe now is like a working class estate. Um, typically families that were, you know, we didn't know at the time, but we're living in low income households. So today, again, we would add a label that we're living in poverty and we're in an area of multiple deprivation. But I didn't know any of that. And no. all I knew there was that I was adored and I was loved and the people in the state looked out for each other and I wasn't aware of labels then to be honest. And as a kid you're not. I mean I'm from a as a kid, I don't think you are, I'm from a similar sort of background. And you look at it and you go, I didn't feel poor. 
<laughs> yeah, well, that's the reality. I didn't, I didn't, I know, I didn't know it was, and it was funny because, yeah. like, I've got some funny stories about, like, you know, when I went to friends maybe for dinner, and you know, I remember a story. One of my friends with his mum asked me if I wanted bread and butter with my soup, and I sort of gave her a look as if to say, "Bread and butter with soup? No, no, we are crackers with our soup." <laughs> um, or like, you know, looking at this yellow vegetable trying to work out what it was, and it was sweet corn, and we couldn't afford to buy sweet corn, so I never <laughs> had sweet corn before. So I'm saying, "What's this?" Yeah. Um, so like, just you know, all those experiences now that when you look back, and, and I don't say that for like in any way at all to try and like um, invoke any sympathy for anybody. Far from it. I was really happy, as I said, yeah. I was loved. I was yeah, adored. Yeah. Um, I was happy in the clothes I wore and the shoes I wore. And but I knew my mum and dad worked really, really hard to provide for us. And um, no, made me go to school. No, if I had a cold, you're going to school. And yeah, we didn't have yeah, days yeah. off. No, there wasn't such a thing as a sick day in my mum and dad's sort of vocabulary. And they made me work hard at school. And if I wanted to play football and wanted to be part of my football teams I was a part of, then I had to do my homework and things like that. So just basic fundamental things that have really set me up in life, really. And then, and then moving moving forward from that, have you always worked in football, or has that been the journey as well? No, no. I left when I left when I left school. I actually, um, left school in December nineteen eighty three, which is gosh, almost forty years ago now. Um, was lucky enough to get a job in Standard Life, as it was known then. Um, I only sent four letters away. Funny enough, all of them to private sector organisations, because again, if you think back a few decades, certainly where I was growing up a job in the bank was like a Wally Wonka golden ticket. It was a job for yeah. life. And of course, in those yeah. days, people spoke about a job for life, whereas think about how the world's changed. I mean, nobody leaves school or university now and thinks I'm going to go and work somewhere for 40 years. You know, they look at an organisation and think, oh, I might go and work there for three, four, um, and yeah. then I'm going to move on and go somewhere else. And I think yeah. that's a good thing. It's um, interesting, yeah, so though, I joined Standard I mean, Life. Like, so when, I, when I think about some of my journey through work, even though, um, even though, Again, similar to you, we were sort of fairly working class. I always, uh, and again, we can talk about this later on in the interview, but for me, gratitude is super important. Where have we been lucky in life and sort of... Absolutely, and, and, absolutely. And, and, and where do we... But I, I look at that and go, yes, we were in the right part of East London, but we were in London. You know, and London had, like, same as Edinburgh, right? Had loads of opportunity. Yeah. So it's yeah. like sort of... Yeah, you you look at it and go, you know, as, as you say, you know, values come first, not money. You know, it's all about making yep. sure that um, making sure that you 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 live in your life in a in a way that's helping others. But um, yeah, you, you know, sort of being grateful for for the sort of the strokes of luck are really important. Yeah, so, and, I, and I I love that. So, yeah, I, 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 I worked in for twenty one years, met some amazing people. Um, learn things again that have stood me in great stead, you know, like you said, that really appreciate the value and people supporting you and people believing in you and, and people seeing something you don't recognise in yourself yet. And I think having, whether it's a formal mentor or just somebody that's got your back and is rooting for you, you know, I've tried to pass that on. And you know, I guess the formal phrase would be like, you know, talent ID and talent development and so on right. and so forth. But at the end of the day, you know, people have still got to take a leap of faith and, and see something in you. And I was very lucky that, you know, people like John Love and David Archibald and Francis McKenzie and Lyndon McAway, I could rattle them all off, um, were all kind enough to support me and help me on my journey. Yeah, interesting. So that was part one of the interview with Dougie. Um, how was that for you guys? It was good. And let's move on to... 
is the end of another podcast, but the end is never truly the end because the end is always the beginning of something entirely new. And uh, the end this week is uh, contains a couple of things. We would love for you to buy the Kindness Project book if you haven't already. It's available on Amazon. Just put the Kindness Project Chris Dames uh, into Amazon. It will come up straight away. Um, all of the money, 100% of the profits, is going to St. Francis Hospice. And we're hoping to raise loads of money for an, an absolutely incredible cause. Um, we've got a book launch coming up that's in mid-Feb if you're in the East London Essex vicinity we'd love to see you there so that's uh, available and you can come and see us meet uh, uh, my family and some of the Kindness Project team Rush, you're going to be there I am, I am uh, what are you wearing? I'm wearing my uh, apron with my six pack on Fab, he's, he's going to have a six-pack. Charlotte, you're going to be zooming into the uh, book launch, right? Zooming in? Um, what's the date? Uh, you should not... Six days, so, uh, six days, yeah. Between six and ten. Yeah, I see what I I'll tell you what, you know that this thing we've done for five years, and we, uh, the, in episode one we said we were writing a book... Bang that in your diary. That book, that book that's published that you wrote the forward for. Do you mind turning up via Zoom? Is that all right? Well, I didn't. I didn't know that was. Oh, I didn't the... know. I didn't know that was. Anyone? No one had asked me yet. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that was an option. I put tickets to go. I would have dropped in by Zoom. No, no, you haven't got the choice. <laughs> um, because I want to introduce you to your mate Sean Russ. That would be. Uh, that would be interesting. <laughs> Um, uh, uh, so, so we've got that coming up, um, and, uh, to end the show, we've got a joke from Charlotte. Yeah, I knew you were going to say this, I actually prepped it this week. Oh. Um, that's the wrong tab for my joke. Oh, she's got that look at her face, Russ. I know. Why did the skeleton do a poor job on Monday? He was all fingers and bumps. <laughs> no, because his heart wasn't in it. <laughs> I've got a bunch of others. If... No, please, for the love <laughs> of God. No. No, one more. Yeah, try and redeem yourself with this one, Charlotte. These are all about Monday. <laughs> what do you call an ant that sells medicine from Monday to Friday and helps a farmer on the weekend? No, don't know. A farm assistant. <laughs> no, Rubbish. Farm, farm I am going to give you one more chance. Oh my God. Make this joke of the week a fantastic one. So did you say you prepared these jokes? I as did. Well? <laughs> I did. I have like you actually prepared these jokes. <laughs> Go on then. One more chance. Why did Humpty Dumpty have a great fall? Don't know. To make up for his really bad summer. 
<laughs> not actually. Okay, that one. That is, that is enough to end the show on. Have a lovely week, and we will. I am hoping we get some questions and uh, answers to questions in the podcast next week, Russ, because otherwise we are. Oh my! We've got to endure joke of the week again. Um, have a lovely week. Endure we'll joke of the week. <laughs> have a lovely week, and we'll see you on the community. Uh, see you in the community. I'm doing something else there, Russ. See you <laughs> on the podcast soon. Bye. Bye.